Welcome to the third episode of Brunches and Dragons. Today's episode is brought to you by an Autumn Bellini. I'm Sammy Stark. And I'm Katie Banks. And we're here to tell you about the rise of the nerds. Rise, nerds! Rise! Rise! (laughs) For more information on who we are or why we're doing this podcast, you should listen to episode zero or check out our website at Brunches hyphen and hyphen dragons.com have any questions comments episodes idea or just want to chat email us at brunches.dragons at gmail.com or fill out our contact us form on our website (laughs) Um, our brunch drink of the day is an autumn bellini stay tuned for the break where we learn nope we teach you how to make it (laughs) while we learn how to make it while we learn how to make it as we're drinking as we drink it So before we begin, I'd like to state that this particular episode may get a little dark. Um, While we're generally a bit ridiculous, the rise of the nerds was a long and hard road, and we'll be chatting about some instances of suicide. If this is a trigger for you, please skip ahead to our next episode or be somewhere where you can fast forward through those bits. Um, We we won't get there till the middle, so you or till the the second half. So the first half is us just being weird. Yeah. So welcome. To episode three. Dun, dun, dun. So, Sam, tell us a little bit about Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I'd like to state first that the internet is a giant rabbit hole. Oh, yes it is. Full of amazing knowledge and things that are just... Uh, it's way different than a card catalog. We'll just put it that way. But, I mean, don't you just love a card catalog? I, I do, and I, I do wish during some of this research, I was like, man, I wish that I could have a card catalog because mm-hmm. I feel like it would simplify my research. And, yeah. and as we get into the second part, there's a lot of misinformation out there, mm-hmm. too. So um, the internet definitely provides an edge if you listen to our last uh, episode on some internet sewer activity. So yeah. um, this episode revolves mostly around Dungeons and Dragons. In our previous episodes, we've mm-hmm. sort of been talking about you know other video games, but now we're sort of focusing directly on that Dungeons and Dragons rise. Um, but before there was Dungeons and Dragons, there was war games. What is war games? War games are strategy games okay. that simulate realistic warfare. So for me, it's I sort of picture you know those those video or um, those movies where it's medieval time setting and they're they're doing a battle right and mm-hmm. they have this battle map and they're like we're gonna they push their ships across this giant map thing. You know, that's... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I gotcha. That's what uh, war games were were designed like from. Risk. Uh, kind of. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Risk is a. I don't want to say simplified. It's a strategy it's game. Yeah, but yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. yeah. Um. But so war games were based on battle plannings for real life wars. Okay. Um, the earliest one it was created by a Prussian college professor, Johann Christian Ludwig Helwig. Oh, that's a good name. <laughs> I know. Oh, they get better. It's. <laughs> yeah, that's a good name. <laughs> so in 1980, he designed this game to teach students military strategy, and this is an you know fancy aristocrat, aristoc- mm-hmm. not aristocrats, <laughs> but that would be cool. <laughs> aristocrats. <laughs> This brunch drink is very good. Uh, we're the only ones in the military. Um, so they became officers and mm-hmm. they had to learn how to do this. Um, so it was a little bit closer to chess in, yeah. in the strategy portion of that. But it did have a grid and the, the grid squares were color coded to be different terrain. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So they had to move through mountains and, and all of that. And you said that was 1780? 1780. 1780. Jesus. Yeah. And there are earlier instances of war games, but none of which used actual terrain. Um, 
they were more chess-like. And those go back to uh, the early, like, 600s mm-hmm. in China. They okay. have I mean, that makes sense. Same time there was game, there probably was war yeah. games. Yeah. yeah, if there's humans and games and wars, <laughs> there yeah, are war all, games. <laughs> let's make a game of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, one thing that I found really interesting was it was these types of war games were restricted to Prussia until Prussia beat France in the Franco-Prussian War. Aha! In uh, 1872. Um, so <laughs> she just pulled that out of her butt, guys. No, 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 no she no. just knew that. that was, I mean, I know that. That's stuff. not in her notes. I'm World seeing her history. notes, and it's not there. It's impressive. <laughs> I'm really world I'm scared. Oh I love world history so much. It was the only class in my freshman year that I was like, this is the best thing ever. It is awesome. It is so cool. Um, so the uh, English version was produced for the British Army in 1872. Mm-hmm. And then in 1894, the U.S. added war games to their curriculum at the U.S. Naval War College. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, and something that that I had found from an article that that Katie had found um, was H.G. Wells created a rule book for playing with toy soldiers. Yeah, Little Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what the full title of that book is? No. Oh, man. Okay, so I have two surprises for Katie in this podcast, and this is number one. Little Wars is, the full title is Little Wars, a game for boys from 12 years of age to 150, and for that more intelligent sort of girl who likes boys' games and books. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, um... It's been shortened to Little Wars. <laughs> I knew it as Little uh, Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. I had no idea that H.G. Wells wrote that book, so that was really cool for you to dig that up. Yeah. Um, but so we are both more intelligent, more intelligent sort of girls who like boys' games and books. Apparently. Yeah, I mean, I always knew that. Yeah, I'm dumb. Surprise. That's it. More intelligent. <laughs> more intelligent. Does this mean more intelligent? Than boys or other girls or other girls. Hmm. 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 Jury's still out on that one. Send us an email. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so similar to the D and D we know today, these war games use the same maps with terrains and grid systems, and they also use dice to calculate damage. Yeah. Um, however, you know the Powered by the Apocalypse games. Oh that, yeah, that, that Ryan whole, runs. Uh huh. That they use the D six system instead. What are some of the um, Power by Apocalypse game we have? Um, do you remember any of the names? Baby of them? Dragons, which is not the name of it, but that's <laughs> Baby Dragons, uh, Shadow Run, Shadow Run. Send us some What's more. What's camp game? That camp game was so fun. It was so good. There's so many. Power by Apocalypse mm-hmm. is is like a is a way to play RPGs. Um, in like a quick, fast version, yeah. maybe? Yeah, shorter. Shorter version, um, mm-hmm. less dice, just use six-sided, like she said. Less um, serious, uh, yeah. more fluid. More story-based. We've got um, an episode that'll be based on, based on, on different those. types of RPGs. So if you've got ones you love, definitely go to our website, click on the Participate tab, and start filling out those surveys, because we're going to be asking you guys all that information Yeah, as we go. Now we jump to the second half of the 20th century. Oh, man. We are really time traveling here. Yeah, we got to bounce all over the place. Yeah, I like you know? it. I like it. So picture this, Katie. Okay. The year is 1972. I was not alive. <laughs> Neither oh, was Oh, wait. I. Imagine it. Imagine. I was alive. Okay. Yeah. Pretend okay. like. I was a twinkle yeah. in my 
Father's Eye. A group of guys age 14 to 34 sitting around a table in a dimly lit basement of their faithful leader, his royal eminence, Gary. A Wisconsin winter storm rages outside. The frigid air blasts across Geneva Lake. The members of the Castle and Crusade Society are huddled together, hot mugs of cider clutched in their hands. They are ready to begin a new adventure created by another member of the society, the noble baron known as Dave. Very nice. Very nice, Sam. Very nice. <laughs> a little bit of creative license. I like, so. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So this was the, the birth of Dungeons & Dragons. Um, tired of the lack of individuality in the current war games, um, Gary had begun to change the rules of the medieval-style war games to incorporate some magic and fantasy. Right. Um, and he called it Chainmail. Um, and I then didn't it's know from, that was the original name. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Well, there's, there was like several, several iterations of this uh-huh. um, over a couple of years. And this actually happened. So I've never been to Gen Con, but our friend Ryan talks about it all the time. Yeah. And the first Gen Con was run by Gary. And it was part of the Castle and Crusade yeah. Society. And I had no yeah. idea. That's why it's such a big deal in the... Man, uh, I am... Comms, uh, con circuit. Yeah. 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 It's brilliant. So now I really feel like I need to... To go. I know. We gotta we gotta get out there. We gotta get out there. <laughs> Pay our homage to, to Sir Gary. Um, but so Dave, his friend, used Chainmail as a rule set for a new campaign called Blackmore, mm-hmm. in which the players forayed into dungeons to battle monsters and, and find treasure. And right. so that was the first dungeon map plan mm-hmm. of D D. And then it just started to spiral. The following year, Dave and Gary began working on the first drafts of Dungeons and Dragons. And in January of 1974, yeah. they published the first Dungeons and Dragons booklet themselves. That's so cool. Yeah, and it's like they had to create their own publishing company to publish it. Yeah, it's just it's mind blowing. Um, Within two years, 4,000 copies were sold. Yeah. And that was through TSR, right? Mm-hmm. All through TSR. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was uh, TSR for, for many years before it got picked up. Picked up. And then 19... 19- when, when did it... It was recent, wasn't it? 1997 is when Wizards of the Coast bought, bought it. it but yeah. I think somebody else took over publishing mm-hmm. before then, but I'm not I'm not 100% sure. It sort of gets a little bit fuzzy after, little muddy. after that. Mm-hmm. They added four supplements. Greyhawk, which we still play today. Mm-hmm. Blackmore... Um, Eldritch wizardry uh, and gods and demigods, humans and demigods um, were the last two. Yeah, and I've not seen those. I think I have. <clears throat> I think I have Greyhawk and Blackmore at home. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the other I think two. the um, the the humans and demigods. Um, at least I know that you know when it came to the art, they ran into some. Um, copyright issues, <gasps> um, like with. Um, What's, what's the animal that lives under the sea? The God. Cthulhu? Cthulhu. Ooh. So that was in... I can't believe I just said um, that. <laughs> that was very good. <laughs> uh, so that was in the art originally and part of the monsters you could fight. And then they ran into some some public sh- uh, copyright issues. And so they oh. had to change a lot of it. So if you can get your hands on those first um, copies of the, the modules, it's pretty awesome. But you they had to redo all of the art, which... D&D artists has some great history, which mm-hmm. is, that's a whole other topic in itself, but, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. I wonder how much that's worth these days. I, I'm not sure. We, I watched a whole documentary on the history of D&D art, and it was, <gasps> they had mentioned it. Do you remember it. what it's called? We'll look it up and we'll post it on the website. We'll look it up and post it on the website. Because I want to mm-hmm. see this. That sounds so cool, D&D art. You have that fancy book downstairs. Yeah. That massive art uh, of D&D. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, it's, you can see how the art, 
we're going off topic, but you can see how the art changed from when it started in the 70s when they were working out of, uh-huh. you know, a comic book store to when they had a whole company and mm-hmm. they had, you know, artists on retainer who were, the you know, the, the four, core four, which I can't remember their names now and people who are oh. listening to this are going to string me up, but, no, okay. um, you know, that really changed the way that D&D art mm-hmm. became a focal point, but, and that was during huh. the... During this time period. So, so we'll probably do an episode on that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Fancy. Oh, my gosh. Whew. So I, then I think you were, then we were in the 1997. Yes. In the, mm-hmm. Oh, and that's when they split Dungeons and Dragons is to, into basic and advanced. Yeah. Um, so most people, what people play these days, if you're playing like a earlier version, you're playing advanced Dungeons and uh-huh. Dragons. Um and then the first monster manual was printed, which we still use that today. Right. So some things have changed, you know, with, with the, the way that D&D has progressed and changed over the years is mostly focused on mm-hmm. rules, but most of the classes remain the same. Like in the beginning, um, not all the classes were there. They added additional classes in the supplements. Yeah. Um, so the paladin and the thief, those all came later. Yeah. So they were really, it was really basic, you yeah. know, and... and races were mostly human everybody played a, a human character which for me is, is a little mind-blowing like i don't i mm-hmm. am a human and it's boring and i don't want to be well one, you get the most so. pluses too yeah. oh yeah. man but i definitely don't get a lot of pluses for being yeah. a human like uh, yeah <laughs> i mean we do technically in this world uh, you know we are killing it <laughs> trigger warning Literally. global warning <laughs> global. Global. <laughs> um, so so from the 70 1972 mm-hmm. till the 80s just D&D's just rocketing building 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 up copies mm-hmm. and so 250,000 copies were sold in the first 6 years of its, of its life yeah so and it became a a cultural icon and a target for hysteria. I mean, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of going, this is sort, sort of related, sort of not related. You know, thinking about brunch. Um, you know, we were talking last episode about, um, you know, just people's viewpoints on brunch and how people looked at it. And, you know, uh, people who brunch are, you know, jerks was mm-hmm. the, the article that we read. But what I was really interested in is, is who is brunching? Right? Mm-hmm. So, because like we're really big into brunch, but there's not, not everybody is. And mm-hmm. so I thought that was a really interesting thing that I found when I was looking it up. So, what I found out was brunch is really big around the coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, and it's mostly barren in the Midwest. So it goes coast to center brunch. Okay. And so they call the, um, the, the Midwest, um, like near the Rockies, the Great American Brunch Desert. <gasps> Which I thought Someone was to such get a them cool, some brunch. Which I thought was really cool. And they, they were saying that Wyoming is the least brunch-friendly state. Oh. oh. Like, if there's anybody listening in Wyoming, what? like, tell me, do you guys brunch at home? Is it is it changed now since I found this statistic online? Um, yeah. Yeah. And do you so, not have a Mimi's? Do you not have a Mimi's? Like, do you just... Do you just not brunch? Like the Dakotas, Nebraska, the North Rockies, and Wyoming are... They all make up the Great American Brunch Desert. Huh. So... Um, Wait, is Montana in there? Mm-mm. Oh, okay, no, cool. That wasn't listed as one of them, so that's, I mean, that makes sense, because okay. Montana is... Billings is a little more... A little bit more. Update. Well, I don't want to say updated. So I tried right. to look up, like, what the relationship between those states and brunch, and some of the interesting things that I found were that um, the um, medium income and brunch, in- like, interest really coincide. The less disposable income a state has, 
the less people brunch. Okay. That makes sense. We mentioned yeah. that before. Brunch was invented by the wealthy, so mm-hmm. it would make sense that the states with more disposable income have higher amount of people who brunch and then the people who don't. But I was like, oh, I just never really thought about that. Um, and then also the larger amount of people living in urban areas. Mm-hmm. So if the state doesn't have huge urban areas, it's going to have less right. people who brunch. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it's pretty straight up facts. I was like, oh, that, that makes sense. Um, but one of the really interesting correlations was that states with the highest Jewish populations have the highest amount of people That's who brunch. Right. Also, you know, not to say that, you know, they like it, but they are one of the main religious populations who don't show a significant negative reaction to brunch like some of the other like uh christian fundamentalists have a negative correlation with drinking and on the sunday day of families so Mm -hmm. um so that was kind of interesting it makes sense so yeah coast and yeah which makes sense um and then urban areas and we live around a small urban area but we have a Knoxville has a huge brunch scene. Is That's that because true. it's a college town? Well, and we have such a large and diverse popularity mm-hmm. here, yeah. population here yeah. that it's very um, all walks of life. We went, we tried to go to brunch the other day um, on on Sunday, at, right at the time change, uh-huh. and um, everybody because you know if you go if you go early enough, usually people aren't there. Yeah, you know, it's it's the the church goers that show up at eleven or so, and, mm-hmm. and the lines get really long. We were there at like. 9.30. Okay, so you were... Booked. Yeah. So we left and we went to Bonefish, who didn't even open until 10, so right. we were fine. Oh, did you do the endless endless bubbles? No, it was, it was just Mike and my grandmother and I, oh, so... Okay. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, Mike and I can could do endless bubbles, but yeah, I don't think I could do endless bubbles. Really I think your grandmother could so, do it. Maybe. Maybe. So uh, we're going to take a break, and on the break we're going to um, tell you how to make our drink of the day, which is the Autumn Bellini, and then we will be back um, some for some more information on the Rise of the Nerds. Yes, and get your character sheets ready if you've uh, filled those out online. Um, you want to definitely bring those with you for this so you can roll along. If you haven't, make sure you do it after the episode. Um, it's under the character sheets tab. Scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see a link to download your character sheet there. Yeah, that's do you it. You can also send it to us too. So Yes, um, we'll, and we'll, we can post it on our Instagram account. We will, yes. definitely. So we'll see you after the break. Okay, guys, we're back, and we're going to teach you how to make our brunch drink of the day, which is an autumn bellini. So um, you guys are probably listening to this on Thanksgiving. That's when this episode is going to drop. So we, th- I thought I would release a dr- or have us a drink today that's very Thanksgiving-y themed. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of ton of talk about which wine to serve with each until you pop Thanksgiving holidays. Um, so I like to start my friends and family off on something that's really refreshing and really festive. So that's why you, an autumn bellini comes in. So for each drink that you're going to want to make, um, the, this what I tell you is going to make one. So just double it up as, as much as you need for how many other people you're serving. But you're going to have one fluid ounce. Or if of, you want more than one. True, because <laughs> that's what we're doing. Um, but So you want to have one fluid ounce of spice peach pure, uh, pear puree, um, three fluid ounces of dry Prosecco, and then uh, some pears for garnish. And then you're just going to pour the spice uh, pear puree into a flute, top with Prosecco, Give it a little stir and garnish with a pear slice. Mm. Simple and delicious. It's so good. It just, it's super autumn-y and it's going to go really great with your turkeys that hopefully you're going to eat today. Mm. You know, you can listen to our Stucking. podcast with your family and have a little bubbly. 
Be you great. can teach them how to make this drink. And, you know, if, if you're um, familiar with Harry and David pears, you know, get you that box of pears and use those delicious pears. Oh, that would for be this. really good. Oh, Harry and David. Yes. It's like one of my favorite things about the holidays. <laughs> so now that we have our second drink, um, me and Sam are going to roll for Constitution Check to see how we're doing. Um, to see what happens on the second half of this podcast. Remember, I've got a negative two to this. I rolled real bad, so. I don't have any pluses. I just, it's plus zero, so plus just zero. straight up my roll. Ooh! I got a three. Oh, my God. Hmm. <laughs> These strings must be real strong today. Straight up three. I got a 15, so minus two, that's 13. So, I so have you're just not feeling good. Do you need me to top off more sick yeah, on my drink over there? Yeah, I double it up. Okay. Maybe make it. <laughs> Make mine a double. Make mine Two a pairs, double. please. Make mine a double. <laughs> so I, the the second surprise yes. is I picked a winning character sheet for this week. Yes. And I'm going to read it okay. out loud. Okay. So every week we're going to pick a character sheet that you guys submit and we're going to read it as part of our podcast okay, so during the break. So um, this is, I just drew these at random and so here we go. The name is Stretch Adams. The class is Communications slash Mediator slash Ranger. And level six, he put a little caveat on here that it's for his advanced age. So, <laughs> uh, he is a black dragonborn as reflected by no known harmful effects from acid. He does a lot oh, of partying. Oh, I like that. I like Ooh. that. Okay. Uh, chaotic neutral. And his background is a cunning linguist, master of many tongues. Song lyrics... <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> so many levels. So many levels. Uh, he rolled dope for his stats. He's of course got he did. 14 in strength, a 10 for dex, a 10 in constitution, 14 intelligence, 16 in wisdom, and a 13 in charisma. I would like to point out that we are... Not supervising your roles, so we're just trusting you to yeah. roll these on natural. Um, he picked his proficient skills as animal handling, insight, investigation, perception, and survival. Nice. Yeah. All good things you mm-hmm. need in life. Good skills. And he's got a lot of cats that are amazing. And now three baby peacocks that now live in his house. They survived the winter. Baby peacocks. Well, they're, they're big now, but they're super cute. Oh, I'm in. So uh, his proficiencies in armor are holy underwear and 90% <laughs> of known clothing made from steel urs. <laughs> Nice. His weapons are an Xbox One controller, a headset, and his Dragonborn Thum. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Tools are just my tongue and the power of the steel ers. <laughs> Languages are human, all feline species, and the language of women. See, I knew that thing would come back. His actions or attacks are monotone chant. All players must save versus magic or sleep for four turns. And lick of affection. Target must save versus poison or is charmed for 12 turns. Effect is doubled for females. Males and feline species are immune. <laughs> His favorite drink is a tanqueray and diet tonic. Nice. He is 55, 5'5", 185, blue eyes, silver hair, and freckly and scaly. I guess because he's a dragonborn. He's a dragonborn. That Makes was sense. amazing. So thank you, Stretch, for submitting. Thank I, you, Stretch. Fabulous. 
What would be really sheet. great? What if um, at the start of our season two, we everyone who submits one, we pull them out of a hat and they play a game with us? Yes. Yeah, I'm thinking everybody that's one, we can do like yeah. a mini episode. Yeah, I think we can do brilliant. like a play by post for people who don't yeah. live nearby. But yeah, or just we can Skype them in. Yeah, and make that one of our video episodes. So I'm into that. Yeah, if you guys are into that, let us know. Um, if you're not, don't worry, we won't pick your name. Yeah, still, yeah, sp- we still, still submit, submit sheet. but you can write on it. You know, hey guys, don't don't read my shit on air, please. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we will be back after this break with some more information about the Rise of the Nerds. Okay, guys, we're back. I hope your drinks are refilled. Um, So I just wanted to give you another reminder that um, the second part of this podcast is going to be a little bit dark. There are going to be some conversations about suicide, um, some conversations about murder. So um, please take that into account. Um, You know, make sure you skip ahead. If you feel unsafe, turn it off. we won't feel bad if you don't want to listen to it, but just a heads up, there are some instant uh, conversations that are a little bit of darker topics, so just be warned. Um, so in the 1980s, a panic began to spread about Dungeons and Dragons. Um, misinformation and then lack of familiarity um, often kind of breeds fear anyways. And so then when you have something um, as big as as Dungeons and Dragons that takes off that people don't really know about that can kind of feed into it. I mean, we have to think back to like the witch trials, the 60s and 70s music, um, you know, video games, vaping, like all that stuff just comes from misinformation or right. not your no one is familiar with it. So that's what's really going to breed um, yeah. I don't know about, about this, things. so I'm afraid. Yeah. And so Dungeons and Dragons, of course, was no exception, right. um, especially because it's focused on, you know, mainly a group group of um, individuals at the time, it was mostly males who are very, um, you know, maybe less social, who maybe keep to themselves a little bit more, a little bit more loners. Um, and so people like to jump to certain conclusions about those individuals. And so then that bred the era of satanic panic. Dun, dun, dun. Um, and so D&D quickly became the one of the targets during satanic panic for the media. Mm-hmm. Not only to mention that, you know, rock music playing the records backwards, you know, was going to kill your baby children, but D&D took a big yeah. precedence in this, um, in the 80s for mm-hmm. this. can also sync up uh, Pink Floyd, mm-hmm. Dark Side of the, Side the Moon, Moon, with, mm-hmm. yep, Wizard yep. of Oz. Wizard of Oz, so. I've done it, nothing's happened, I'm yeah. not, uh, not worshiping, <laughs> not worshiping Satan, so, um, but th- it was a big, D&D was a big focal point mm-hmm. of this, yeah. so. Yeah, what we don't know, definitely, it's going to create some, mm-hmm. some disaster. And that, that started in, in 1979 when a private investigator, William Deere, was hired to look for a kid named James Dallas Egbert, who mm-hmm. had disappeared from his college dorm room after leaving a suicide note. Yeah. Um, this private investigator believed that Egbert's disappearance was a result of his involvement in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, this kid would play with some of his friends. Mm-hmm. And, and he was really young. He was 15 or 16. Yeah, he was a smart a kid. baby. Yeah, he was doing a, a like a summer school at college, mm-hmm. some, some tech stuff. Um, and it took a, a, almost a month to find Egbert. Um, and once he was found, well, he called Deer and said, hey, this is where I am. Um, he told Deer that his attempted suicide and disappearance were related to drug use resulting from academic and parental pressure, not right. He literally told you what it was. But it was too yeah. late. Um, the media had already run away with the story. It had already become a thing. Um, and a year later, Egbert committed suicide. Yeah. Um, and, and even though his parents never blamed D&D, they were openly... 
you know, said he he Played was a troubled it. kid. Yeah. yeah. Um, a, a novel based on the Egbert story called Mazes and Monsters was written in 1981. Yeah. And then a movie with Tom Hanks was came out the following year. Yeah, so. if you haven't seen um, uh, uh, Mazes and Monsters, uh, you should see it. Uh, you should also, you could go look up YouTubes of clips with Tom Hanks. Uh, some of his best lines, sarcasm, that he's ever done in his whole career in those movies. <sighs> uh, yeah, it's, it's good. I wonder if he regrets that now. He I don't know. if Tom Cruise would, or Tom Cruise, no. <laughs> Tom Hanks would look back at that and say, oh man, I, I... I fed into that panic. Yeah, I didn't, I mean, he was so young, so young, and now, you know, now he's about to release Mr. Rogers, and it's yeah. just, I, I love watching the things that he's in, but does he feel any... And I, I'm a huge Tom, Tom Hanks fan, yeah. so, I mean, The Burbs is one of my absolute oh, yeah. favorite movies. So, I don't know. It'd be, hey, Tom Hanks, if you're listening, write Tell us in. how you feel about this. <laughs> Tell us how you feel about mazes and monsters mm-hmm. now. So, do you play D&D now? Do you play D&D? Yeah, mm. that's a good question. Mm-hmm. So, the assaults against Dungeons & Dragons continued with um, bothered, about da- bothered About Dungeons & Dragons or Bad. So, that's a lot like, you know, Mothers Against Drunk, and dr- drunk Drivers. Yeah. Um, it's an anti-Dungeons & Dragons campaign started in 1983 by Patricia Poolings in the aftermath of her son's suicide. Which is very sad. Mm-hmm. Um, she attempted to sue the school's principal, who was the dungeon master for her son's game, and then also tried to see, uh, sue TSR, which is the publisher of the mm-hmm. game, um, for publishing the game at all. Of course, the court threw out both cases, um, but then she wrote a book that was called The Devil's the Devil's Web um, in a further attempt to link Double Jewel Dungeons & Dragons to occult activity. So we have to think, like, her grieving... She was trying to find an answer, and I get it. When you're grieving and you yeah. lost somebody, you're trying to find an answer on why this has happened, and that was the quickest thing she could grab onto. Mm-hmm. But it like caused such a a down down a bo- bo- the moss the stone gathered moss. Oh, shit yeah. goes uphill. <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, that's our three coming out. I can't yeah. talk today. Um, <laughs> So it's like Delicious. it really fed into this satanic panic, though, mm-hmm. um, with, with her book and her case. Um, you know, you can read uh, reviews on this book on Amazon if you want. Um, they she are also, so funny. They're so great. Um, I've not read the book, so I don't really know uh, much about it. I've just looked mm-hmm. it up. Um, she also appeared on 60 Minutes. Um, she was hired as a private investigator and a gaming expert for Myrtle Trials in three states after that. Um, and then uh, the campaign went on until 1989 when Poolings left bad after Michael Stockpile um, released the Poolings Report, an expose on her that um, discredited her discredited her and then illustrates her as um a witch hunt mm-hmm. yeah it's her being a witch hunt so mm-hmm. it's a very cool read um the pullings report i would highly recommend looking into it to gather mm-hmm. some more information on it um we could talk about that report for hours. and he doesn't slander her no that. i think that's really important to say is stackpole doesn't go after her no. and say she's a horrible human no he understands that a grieving mother mm-hmm. is at some point, you know, you, you lash out and you're yeah. trying to find a reason. And, and it was just the way that this got carried on yeah. was a little bit right. ridiculous. Yeah. He wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be like, you're terrible. Yeah, like it, mm-hmm. for her, it wasn't witch hunt for her, but he was yeah. saying you were doing a witch hunt, which yeah. in, you know, satanic panic caused a lot of people to end up um, getting arrested for things that they had not done or um, suspected of things they didn't do. It caused a, it 
people lost their jobs. Like, mm-hmm. it was a, a big deal that ruined a lot of people's lives. And this paranoia that came with it and mm-hmm. some of the things that she backed did feed into that, yeah. though. So. Yeah, when you ostracize people, you know, you're definitely going to see some, yeah. some fallout from that. Um, so I'd, I'd like to point out that, that researching murders linked to Dungeons & Dragons turns up almost buckus. Yeah. There's nothing out there. Yeah. Um, and researching suicide linked to fantasy games is a rabbit hole. Filled with internet sludge. Oh, there are sludge, so sludge, many. Sludge. Yeah, it's just so many personal opinions mm-hmm. and so many um, news articles, yeah. right? And in today, when social media is rampant, it's you, most of the stuff you see on the news isn't a scientific study. It wasn't conducted right. in a double-blind study. It wasn't conducted with the scientific method. Mm-hmm. It's just a internet survey like us, yeah. right? If yeah. we were to publish a a report based on the things right. that Our we opinions, find. Yeah. Oh my god, it's yeah. ridiculous. Of course we're not scientific away. at yeah. all. No. Um, so I, I did do some research trying to just get a general sense of some numbers so okay, that we cool. can sort of provide our own conclusions. So do bear in mind, this is not scientific. I am I am doing a study on specific points to get numbers so people can generate their own opinions. Yeah. Right? So. We are gamers yeah. in brunch. Yes. We are not scientists. Dun 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 We have a lot of scientists friends. We do. Do and technically I have a degree in science. I mean animal science. You do. I mean I do too. It's bachelors of science and social bachelors of sciences. Soft sciences. Yes. Anywho, statistics. What are we doing? <laughs> um, so, 211 million people ages 2 and up play some form of video game, according to the Gamer Segmentation Report of 2018. And that's just the United States. Okay, I was about to ask. Yeah. Just okay. the United States. And there wow. are 327 million people in this country. Wow. 211 of which play games. What? Whoa. So, um, in 2017... Just over 47,000 people died by suicide mm-hmm. out of an estimated 1.4 million attempts. So, and the largest percentage of that was middle-aged white men. Yeah. So, if the U.S. had a population of 327 million and gamers of 211 mm-hmm. and suicide attempts 100 million, mm-hmm. or sorry, 1 million, mm-hmm. um, that means that 0.43% of all com- Americans commit suicide, yeah. with 64.5% of the population playing video games. That means that 0.66% of gamers commit suicide. Yeah. So there are, like I said earlier, there are no studies correlating directly video games, oh, yeah. RPGs, to suicide. No. And Or mental health. We're not linking the or, two. Or mental health. We're yeah. not linking the two. And in fact, there's um, a new study that uses RPGs to assist with mental mm-hmm. health. Just like they're using acid or LSD, mm-hmm. sorry, to treat people with PTSD in right. microdosing. They're right. starting to use virtual reality games to help people overcome fears right. and to get through that. Um, so the, the highest suicide rate was among adults between the ages of 45 and 54 years old. Yeah. Um, but the largest group of gamers um, is younger. So um, under 18 
or sorry, 18 to, to 35 is 40, makes up the largest bracket, which is of 40% gamers. of gamers. Okay. And people in that age range, 15 to 24, had the lowest suicide rate of 14.46%. So there's your, there's, there's a cool... Isn't little, that interesting? Yeah, thing. so I, I didn't really know what I expected to find as I was going through this, but um, I, these numbers to me mm-hmm. really illuminate that there, there is no correlation. Yeah. And on furthermore, suicide rates dropped drastically in the 1980s yeah. as the rise of Dungeons & Dragons was mm-hmm. beginning. So these people were finding a home. They were mm-hmm. finding a place where they could go with like-minded people and do fun fantasy things that just develop team building. and, yeah. and They found fr- like people they could relate to and yeah. be friends and socialize with in a way that they felt comfortable mm-hmm. um, and didn't have to fit into a a box when they were a circle. Yeah, they could be yeah. ostracized and bullied at school and go home on the weekends and play these games with people who right. understood them. Right. So I just I found that super fascinating yeah. to me. I think that's really cool. Um, so it's it's it, for me D and D gives me a, a social outlet. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a safe way for me to vent rage and a way to foster my imagination. Mm-hmm. If I'm having a bad day at work, you know, maybe Octavia is going to get really into slaying this monster. You know, yeah. I'm not going to go home and shank somebody because right. of that. Right. <laughs> but, no. You know. Yeah, we don't get lost in that reality. Right. Or that fantasy. <laughs> our that, fantasy does not what? become our reality. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Buffy Battlehammer is real. It's me. So it, it helps me build two more abilities and strengthens my neurons by working out complex puzzles. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I mean, it's all just an interesting thing to see what fed it. Um, you know, like I, like I said, during that time, you know, a lot of people's lives were really hurt by it because they were finding, trying to find links in it. Right. You know, they had, uh, they had doctors, they had police officers, they had Christian fundamentalists, fundalist, fund, okay, Christians, um, you know, behind it who were saying that D&D was the cause of these things. Mm-hmm. And then they were testifying in trials. They were testifying. I mean, like, look at the, you know, the West, West Memphis Three. Yeah. Ugh. What happened to them? I mean, they're, you know behind bars for years for crimes that they didn't commit so it's just a really really hurt people's lives yeah Yeah. and there's there's no recovering yeah fortunately so during the the growth of D &D, it it began to appear in in tvs and Mm -hmm. movies and then things kind of got quiet in the 90s Uh, we didn't hear or see much of it um okay and then in the last 10 years we've seen a huge explosion of dungeons and dragons suddenly it's it's cool to be a nerd right right? there's been like a a resurgent yeah it's like it's like the positive you have all these celebrities you Mm -hmm. have like you said stranger things you have big bang theory Mm -hmm. where you were seeing the positive sides of D D, and then bless it you have one of my favorite shows, but you have Riverdale. Riverdale. Riverdale comes in um, and really focuses on how um, their version of D&D, which is uh, Griffins and Gargoyles, so G&G, how it drives people insane. So their season three plot line, okay, one of the plot lines was... Spoiler um, alert. Spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you're probably not going to watch it. But the plot but line, you should. one of the plot lines for season three was that there was a, a game sweeping their sleepy town of Riverdale that had a long history um, in turning um, people into obsessive people who can't tell the difference between fantasy and reality, which often led to murders and suicide and drinking poison. Um, D&D's, uh, D&D's story taps into the legend. See, it's like what we're talking about today, about uh, the satanic panic on the real-world delusions that were held by not the players in the game, but by the adult perpe- perpetrators who full-on started a moral panic. 
So the show is doing the exact same thing. It's mm-hmm. feeding into it. So instead of having, you know, the positive side of gaming uh, that we're, we're seeing more people grabbing onto, mm-hmm. Riverdale is revisiting uh, Satanic Panic and how it's starting this full-on riot. Because, like, you know... When Satanic Panic, they were saying that, you know, they had an idea that this was huge grand Satanic conspiracy, mm-hmm. that there was a network of occultists who performed rituals and murders, um, that they kidnapped children who played in D&D, or the people who played D&D kidnapped people mm-hmm. uh, for, for bizarre rituals. Um, one of the funniest concerns to me, but probably was not for people who at the time, but when I'm thinking back, I'm like, why did, how did people think this, was that they thought players were losing grip on reality and were attempting to murder people in order to obtain greater magical powers. Ooh. So they thought that players, so us playing D&D, we, they thought that we would go out and murder people in order to gain the powers that our, so we can that our characters up. had. Oh, so we would level up. So that's what was the, one of the main um, rumors that was being spread during Satanic Panic was that if you let your children play D&D, they're going to murder you to get powers. Huh. So, um, <laughs> so that's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Oh uh, you know, Satanic Panic really made that D&D players are uh, mentally unstable and dangerous, mm-hmm. and Riverdale really is feeding into that. Um, whereas, like, Stranger Things focused on, it really went head-to-head with that mm-hmm. um, diagnosis. You, you know, they focus on the positive influence, you know, sociable, mm-hmm. how sociable people were, and the, the bonds of friendship between Will and, um, you know, Mike and, and Dustin and all of them. You see how strong their friendship is, and they end up, you know, saving the world mm-hmm. because, you know, they're just a little bunch of nerds, and they know what's and going on. And they have this tool set that they've learned that nobody D&D else would have had. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Riverdale, it takes epi- uh, Jackhead two games before he comes um, unhinged mm-hmm. with reality. So, well, and, it's and an the, interesting... The, the difference is how they, they emulate that, too, right? In Stranger Things, they're actually sitting around a board mm-hmm. playing legitimate Dungeons & yeah. Dragons. In G&G, they are finding secretive places to do these, and they're often one-on-one. There's the the Gargoyle King gives a quest to one of the uh-huh. select few people who then passes that on and says, They have to kill the join. Red Paladin. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, Riverdale is it did such a brilliant job yeah. with this. I... Uh, ate that like candy. It was oh, such an amazing it. episode. And or series, I didn't but. think about its link mm-hmm. to Satanic Panic until Halloween. Uh, Sam dressed up as the uh, gar- Griffin, uh, the Queen. Gr- Griffin Queen. Um, and my husband Mike was like, oh yeah, they're just playing off of Satanic Panic when we worked so hard to fight those stereotypes. And I was like, well damn, son. Yeah, what now? <laughs> and and that might be because I didn't play during Satanic Panic. Right. Like we've said before, we are we've been playing for the last five six years. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, you know my husband, some of our DMs they they played during Satanic Panic or at least right at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So they lived with those stereotypes that you know if they were playing that they were yeah. you know mentally unstable or, or dangerous. So it's a lot different. So when I saw it in Riverdale, I was like, oh my gosh, I love it because I love D and D. But it was rem- it was paying omit. Maybe it was like a pop culture reference to how people felt. Mm-hmm. But did it also maybe make people think people who play games right. are going to become well, obsessive? I'd, I'd like I to don't think know. that maybe you know also our parents would have been cool with it anyway. Or I mean, no. you don't think so? No, no. no. I think mine would have been totally fine with it. No, no. So 
I mean, I was a weird kid anyway, so yeah. it would have been... I mean, I don't know if my parents would have been linked enough to uh, pop culture to mm. to understand that this game, D&D, had been linked to Satanic Panic. Oh, okay. I don't think my parents would have noticed that that was even going on, so uh-huh. maybe that wouldn't have mattered. Right. But if somebody would have said... <laughs> Oh, you're, yeah. That is a dangerous oh. game. They might have been a little bit more concerned, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think my parents would have even, so yeah. they probably wouldn't have mind. I got really into Wicca in middle school, and my parents were totally cool with it. They are like, whatever. You know, my parents were <laughs> like, shut that down. <laughs> I am in the Bible Belt South. I was here. I was here, too. Oh, I went see, to Web. I love that. Oh, man. No, my parents We watched, that uh, for seventh grade, we had this uh, crazy, amazing English teacher who was like, okay, you have to do a project on this stuff. So two of my friends and I, watched the craft and did a oh, project perfect. on the craft. Oh, they yeah. loved, they loved they let me watch a lot of horror movies. Yeah. And I read horror books and read true crime and I yeah. could watch true crime documentaries, which is way scarier than the religion Wiccan. Yeah. But, you know <laughs> you know, peace, love, all that stuff. You That's know how the yeah, South makes sense, y'all. <laughs> South makes sense. Well, in, in our true podcast fashion, we did our survey, which also yes. you guys, we mentioned it before, but definitely go to our website and fill out the participate link. Yes. Um, we've and got thank you for everybody who answered the survey. Yes. Thank you so much. This is useful information for us um, because like we said, we're not researchers, but this helps us and we are uh, very similar in our gaming experiences. Mm-hmm. So this helps us to sort of broaden our horizons. Yeah. Um, so we'll go over just the demographics of our listener survey for this time and then go through some of the questions um before we start to wrap wrap this up but 80 percent of the people who filled this out this time were male and the average age was 35 so that's pretty standard for us Um, it was 50 50 i think at the last few surveys with mm -hmm. males versus females or or, um gender fluid that's true so but so more males this time more males this time and then the average age starting console was nine and then the average age for pc and rpgs tabletop rpgs was 13 okay so that's pretty similar so people are starting at consoles younger than Mm -hmm. they're getting into this other stuff um, and yeah, then, the gateway, gateway yeah, game. the gateway, game. gateway console. Uh, consoles and PC RPGs. Seventy-three percent of our listeners um, play those. Uh, First-person shooters on console and PC. Sixty-six percent. Excuse me. <laughs> Have another sip. Here. Uh, play those, and then eighty-six percent play tabletop. Nice. RPGs. Okay. So we're starting to get more of. We're our, pulling them in. Pulling yes, them in. those RPG people coming coming to life here. Um, and we asked some some pretty basic questions. Mm-hmm. The first two were, are you familiar with anti-Dungeons and Dragons movement of the 80s? Yeah. And did you play D&D during the anti-Dungeons and Dragons movement in the 80s? And 86% said, yes, they're familiar with it. Okay. But only 33% said that they did play during that time period. The rest said they weren't born yet, which right. is fair. We weren't born yet. Yeah, because I mean, like, we think, so that was in the 80s, too. It was in the 90s, but it kind of peppered off mm-hmm. in like the mid 90s mm-hmm. so um you know most of us were little itty little bitty. little bitty yeah so yeah though i do i do wish that this had been this would have been right up my alley as a kid right mm-hmm. if, if somebody had brought this to me in elementary or middle school oh, i would have played loved it this. i would have played the but it just, heck out of it the, the time period that we were in school was just not it, it it was during the wane of Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. Mm-hmm. It had, we had moved on. That's to why other it things. was, as you said, what in the nineties. It was kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. You didn't see much or hear much about it. Yeah. Um, was that because of the Satanic Panic? I well, I wonder if 
did interest just fall off? I think, like you know, any 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 press is good press, mm-hmm. right? Technically, mm-hmm. um, even even bad press, you're still getting attention for it. So I think. If, if Dungeons & Dragons hadn't gone through that rough patch, mm-hmm. I don't know that it would have done as well. Yeah, it would have just maybe continued. Because, like, this part of the it being reborn was seeing some of our famous favorite actors playing. Mm-hmm. Like, some real, like, macho people or real yes, beautiful women yes. um, uh, playing. My, so one that, of my favorite bring it back. is Joe... Manganello, and he's he had a recent. You said that great. Oh, I hope so. I hope he's listening and gives me props for that because yeah. I practice. Yeah. Um, but he did a wonderful retweet. Somebody, some Jack dude, had posted. I don't play D and D. Yeah. And he posted the cover of Men's Health magazine where he's just you know ripped his yeah. whatever, and he goes, "I do," and it's like, yeah, you yeah. Do. I mean, and Vin Diesel. Yeah, um, is another Diesel. one who his you know his he plays so that kind of helped you know take the stigma off and then kind of mm-hmm. reintroduced a new yeah it's um, not the eighties creepy dude mm-hmm, in your basement mm-hmm. playing which was never which really is, what it was exactly that's part of that whole mm-hmm. stereotype with it but right. but anywho so yeah it, it helps to sort of alleviate that mm-hmm. um, so um, it seems like most. Got it. We asked like how they got into gaming too, and it seemed most act most got into it through a family member or early consoles, which I assume was also yeah. um, based on um, you know their family member bought that for them too. Um, I did not have a console. You did not have a console. I did not either. Yeah. So maybe that was also like you said the gateway. You know, nobody in our family played, so we didn't really have access to it. Yeah, and so one of the next questions was, what was the gaming environment like when um, they started? Um, one of the answers was D&D players were largely social social outcasts and largely male, um, which that's, you know, true. So we also asked, um, how serious are you about gaming? And my, my favorite answer, um, people were, were generally pretty serious about mm-hmm. it, and our most common answers were serious, serious hobby, and obsession. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite answer is from one listener who used gaming to recover from, and I quote, debatable alcoholism. Oh. Um, to, and he used it to to make something more positive, yeah. right? Um, which is impressive because I I play ARC with this particular person, mm-hmm. and that game makes me want to drink. Oh, so yeah. his <laughs> reco- That's using awesome, Xbox though. and gaming Like, what a recover. positive... Yeah, it's... Positive outlet. <laughs> See, gaming See, is good for people. It's not morally corrupt. Exactly. So then, one of the next one, which is was a cool question, was um, what are the biggest challenges you face with gaming? Um, this answer is kind of cool. It says the biggest response. Oh, sorry, excuse me. So the biggest <laughs> response for this one was just like about work, limited time to play. Um, so, but with that though, um, uh, some of the other things that one person mentioned was the hardest um, or the biggest issue or challenge they faced was um, character creation. But good no- news, folks, we're going to be having an episode coming out soon that's going to be all about character creation. Ooh, so it's alive! It's alive! So stay tuned for that one. So what was the next question we asked? So the the next one, um, I had people share their thoughts on the anti D and D movement. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, and and it was generally like ignorant propaganda. This is ridiculous. A bunch of horseshit. Yeah, I yeah. I concur. People, I concur. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Accurate. Well said. Yeah, I like that one. And then um, one of the last ones we asked, um, we asked people to tell us about their experiences playing during the anti D and D campaign. So during that time period. Um, 
there's a couple good ones, so we're going to read a few of these, but um, one of them was um, a Christian neighbor kid used to call me names and thought I w- thought it was satanic. Was a stigma in the wrong groups if you brought it up. D&D was regarded in similar ways to something like the 4chan crowd is today. At the best... Um, Yes, you were a virgin. At worst, you were Satan's worshippers, <laughs> which is, that's what people Best thought. Um, and then thought, though in game um, case, it was not justified. We were more, we were just bookish in, introverted kids. Mm-hmm. So it's like they were getting called all these names and they were already introverted people who just left playing games. And it just breaks my heart. Well, like, and, it's so and sad. what's changed? You know, now we just, we talked about how people don't have babies anymore because they're too busy playing yeah. D&D. Oh, yeah. Same thing. Same thing. Same show, different day. Yeah. And then, like, people, you just got the straight up, like, people thought that they were, parents thought them they were worshiping devils. Oh, like, my God. That's just, hysterical. you know, all kinds of things. So, we really appreciate you guys um, responding to us with those. Mm-hmm. It really gives us an insight to people who game during that time. Yeah. So, we'd like to end this episode by advising you all to find a local game and join it. Yes. Come on. All the cool cool kids kids are are doing doing it. (laughs) If you're interested in where our studies came from, I found our numbers on suicides in the American Psychological Association and American Association of Suicidology. You can check out both of their websites for more information.